Well, hey, welcome to Church at Home. Uh, obviously, this is New Year's Eve, and we're grateful that you were able to join in with us. I hope you had a just a wonderful Christmas time, Christmas Eve, spent time with your family, uh, had some days to kind of recoup from that and get ready for another long weekend with it being New Year's. I also just trust that you, you've had a good year. I'm sure, uh, like all of us, there were some challenges, probably some some tragic tragedy that you might experience, maybe some things that was hard to get through, some stuff that was just unexpected and stuff that was tough. That's life. It kind of happens to all of us. There's uh, none of us that's really immune to that. And, and so if that's been part of your year, I pray that you're on the good side of that, that you've trusted the Lord through the process. He's helping you to recover. And, uh, and you've had some time with family where you can yet enjoy the goodness of the Lord. And of course, we also want to look uh, forward to 2024. Every year brings something new. We, we just, we don't know uh, what life is going to bring us. What we do know is that we have a good God. We have a good God and we have a good Savior, one who's faithful to us, uh, one who's good to us, one who promises us overwhelmingly uh, with things that are good for our life. It's a matter of walking in faith. It's a matter of walking in trust. It's a matter to, of surrendering him. Uh, like many, uh, I've got some goals and some objectives for the year. Look back on the year that I had, wrote down some things that I need to take a second look at, maybe some things take, an, take another shot at, haven't accomplished everything that I wanted to, but I'm very, very grateful for what God has done and very much looking forward to 2024. It's going to be another good year because, again, we have a good and great, great God. Well, uh, one of the things that we do here at CTC uh, each year is start out with some times of prayer and fasting. 21 days is what we, is what we do. And we're going to begin that on the 2nd, uh, which is Tuesday, January the 2nd. We want to begin those 21 days. We're going to have awakening prayer that, that evening at 6 p.m. And we'll have awakening prayer two more times during the 21-day period on the 11th, which is a Thursday evening, and also on the 18th. And so we invite you to come and join us during our times of prayer. On the second, we're gonna anoint everyone as we prepare uh, to go into the fast. Some folks may have already started fasting earlier that day, but we're gonna lay hands on everybody, anoint them, and, and just ask God to be with you uh, throughout the 21 days on however you choose uh, to fast. Now there's, there's like four, I guess I would say parameters of fasting. Uh, there's some people who do just a complete fast from all solids, not saying they'll do it 21 days, but whatever day they do, uh, it may be completely from anything solid. They may drink some juice, uh, maybe some protein drinks, uh, water, uh, whatever liquids that they desire, but they refrain from all solids. I do ask you to do that at least one day of the week. Corporately, uh, we're encouraging Tuesday. Uh, every Tuesday during the fast will be the day of the corporate fast. And so I do ask at least one day of each week that you do a, uh, a complete fast. There's also selective fast by which you eliminate certain things out of your diet. Many people know that as the Daniel fast, uh, where in the book of Daniel, we see that when he wanted to prepare to meet the king and to be a, a vital part of what the Lord was doing, there in Babylon, when the people of Israel was taken captive, he set aside uh, prime, uh, meats and 
and uh, heavy uh, fatty foods and starches and just went with vegetables and, uh, and water. Uh, so that's a selective fast or a Daniel, uh, a Daniel fast. Then there's the partial fast, which is more like intermittent fasting that you, you're probably more familiar with where you just take blocks of time, whether it be 12 hours, whether it be 18 hours. Uh, but you take so many hours where you don't take in anything solid and uh, and then pick back up, maybe have a meal or two meals and then take some more intermittent time to fast. And there's also, though, I think an element of that 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 should go along with it. And that's that's soul fasting, I guess, would be a way of saying it. That's where you just deprive yourself of certain comforts, maybe also certain activities, uh, maybe social media. But but things that would that would that would be good uh, that your body would enjoy doing, but you just kind of set it aside for the moment and engage more in the things uh, of the Lord. Now, oftentimes, you know, when you think about 21 days of fasting, three weeks sounds like a long time, especially when you put it in context uh, of 21 days. But I just want you to look at it as these days, these 21 days of where you can restart you can refocus your attention to the Lord where you can take 21 days on however you want to approach that and, and intentionally set aside some time to where you can read your Bible, where you can pray, where you, where you let your inner man, your inner person be built up, where you can draw closer to the Lord, where you can grow stronger uh, in the Holy Spirit. The, the, enemies, the enemy will try to keep you distracted and take your focus off the things uh, of the Lord, keep you unfocused even during these 21 days. But I'm telling you, if you take a block of these 21 days and make a schedule on how you're going to commit yourself to the Lord fasting during this time, you will absolutely disrupt the enemy's plan. You'll totally disrupt it. And you'll find yourself coming closer to God and God's plan for your life. There's a quote I wanna share with you from Andrew Murray. He says, prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. I love that. Prayer is reaching out for what you don't see. You're doing it in faith. Fasting is letting go of the things that are temporal, things that feed your body, things that, that gratifies you from a fleshly position. So I think these 21 days will be a great opportunity for you to restart uh, and re refocus. Now, fasting is always something uh, that some people have questioned to be more for hardcore uh, religious people. But science and even even our contemporaries are proving that fasting can be good for us with a lot of the intermittent fasting that's going on by secular people and religious people. And we'll discuss a little bit more of that later on. But but the question of fasting is 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 the big one. And I and I want to talk to you. Some of you may know much about fasting, but there may be many of you are tuning in who, who don't know. This is what I do know. Fasting takes our faith to another level and it increases the effectiveness of our prayers. It's nothing easy. Fasting is not easy. As a matter of fact, if you don't feel that you're fasting, you're probably not. Fasting is not one of those accidental days where you may not eat breakfast, may not eat lunch, and then when you get to dinner, you realize, oh, man, I haven't ate all day. I, I was fasting. No, no. If you don't feel it, then you're probably not fasting. But when you commit to fasting, it, it takes your faith to another level and increases the effectiveness on your prayers. 
our Lord wants us to fully experience freedom in Christ. Every one of us can be suspect to some struggling. Uh, we struggle in one aspect of our faith or be bound by some kind of addiction, whether it be food, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be sex, whether it be pornography, whether it be gambling or shopping. We, we, can get, we can get stuck in one of those things. Some people actually just get stuck in their Christian life uh, and in their, in their faith. And oftentimes people will seek counselors out to get through those challenges. But, but I'm convinced fasting is the tool that will help you do it. Fasting is a tool that the, the Lord used to, to aid us and enhances our relationship with him so that we may walk in that God-intended freedom that he designed for us. John 8, 36 says this, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We are set free as spiritual beings. We're set free from the body of the flesh and its control over us. That's happened through Christ Jesus. Is there tensions? Absolutely, because we're three-part beings. There's body, soul, and spirit. And our bodies oftentimes gives, our, 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 gives permission to our emotions and our minds and our heart to embrace things or seek after things that doesn't help our inner man. So there's always gonna be tension, but that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, that we have to bring our body under subjection. And one of the best ways to do that, and, and honestly, probably the most effective way to do that is fasting. Fasting weakens the body and, and the appetites that the body wants so that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Fasting is really less about us and it's more about God. When those, those who do intermittent fasting, and I'm talking to some of you that know much about it, you've learned some things. When you get into a habit of intermittent fasting, you can control the responses of your cravings. Your body may still have some cravings, but you've trained yourself and you learn how to control those. And, and over a period of time, your body starts to reject stuff that's not good for it. Your body comes under such a training that there's things your body says, no, no, we're not going to eat that. We're not going to take that in. But it also begins to detox the stuff that's been lingering in you that's bad. So it learns how to reject the things that are, that are not good and detox you from the things uh, that are bad. And so your body can be trained that way. So can your spirit. So can your inner man to where you can absolutely come to the place to control those cravings over your body and you lean more on the spirit instead of what the flesh, flesh is, is, is saying. So fasting denies those things that the flesh craves, whether it be food or alcohol or, or even some pleasures or things of distraction. We suppress those cravings and we suppress those appetites and we force our body to yield to our spirit and we create space for drawing ourselves closer and closer to God and coming in alignment uh, with, with his heart uh, and his, his spirit. And, and when we do that, when we align ourselves with him, we, we get full access to unlimited power that God has for us that comes through the Holy Spirit, including the power to overcome some of these stubborn strongholds or some of these sinful areas in our life that continue affects us, uh, that, that restricts us from the freedom that we're to have in Christ Jesus and a faith in him. It's a matter of disconnect and connect. I want to look at a narrative on that, and it's actually in Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 18. 
And here's what the what the spirit of the Lord is, is saying out of the uh, the word of God. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying him being Jesus, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Now, to give you a little bit of background on the narrative, Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's with Peter, James, and John primarily. The other disciples were still down on the bottom. Actually, they were in the region, but came uh, toward the, the mountain in their pursuit uh, of meeting with, with Jesus. They, they had done some ministry before. Jesus had already released them out to do some things, and they, they had some success. But here's a particular case where they, they were unsuccessful of casting out the demon out of this, this possessed boy. So when Jesus and Peter, James, and John come off the mountain, they hear this dispute, and Jesus is asking, what's happening? And the man comes to him and says, man, listen, this is my son's condition, uh, as we described. He's, he's possessed. He's throwing himself in water, throwing himself in fire. Uh, I brought him to your disciples, who I had seen, basically, he's saying, I'd seen him do a lot of things, but they were unsuccessful with this. So Jesus turns to them, and he says, you're faithless and you're perverse. How long am I going to be with you? Now, you would think he's using those words against people who aren't believers, but he's talking to his own disciples. So he identifies two problems. First, he says they're faithless. Now, when he says they're faithless, he's not saying that they're without faith in God. They absolutely have faith in God and they believe in him. What he is saying, though, is that they're unbelieving in the work and the power that can be done. The second thing is when he calls them perverse, He's not calling them just some, you know, perverse people. He's saying they're, they're, they're corrupted. Here's, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you're disconnected from total belief and faith in me. Faith that, that what, as it builds up, we get more and more connected with God by spending time with him and experiencing him fully. With all the things that they sing, with all the things that they believe, Jesus is saying, where you should be with me in faith, in belief, in power, you're disconnected from it. Either they had drifted from it or had never got there. And then he said to them that they're, they're connected to, connected to the world, meaning they're not perverse, like just, you know, overwhelming, sinful, but, but they had too much worldliness that had crept in. So they were disconnected from a faith in Jesus for the power of things that can be done through them, and they were too worldly. They were too distracted. They were too focused, and so uh, or un or uh, unfocused on the things of God, but focused on the things of the world. So he says, "You become disconnected. You're faithless, disconnected from the confidence in me and the power that you should have, and you're more connected to the world." Now we don't often realize how disconnected we can become from God. And we oftentimes don't realize how connected we can become to the world. It can happen to any of us, just like it happened to the disciples. They saw so many miraculous things that Jesus had done and what he had done through them. 
But what they hadn't realized is that they had not become as connected as they should have been and, and also had not disconnected themselves from the things of the world. Jesus gave a remedy on how that works. In verse number 19, actually it's 18, Jesus rebuked him. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But then he goes on to say this, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fast. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you're disconnected from a belief and a confidence in my power and you're connected to the things of the world, you're not going to have what it takes to do the work that needed to be done for that father and for that boy that was demon possessed. Now, that's a particular situation. But for us, it can be in a lot of various situations where you don't feel like you're being successful. You don't feel like you're overcoming. You're praying for things. You're praying for people and you're not seeing things happen. Praying for healing and not seeing it. Jesus is saying this. This comes out by prayer and fasting. Prayer connects us to God and restores our intimacy and our reliance on him alone. Fasting disconnects us from the things of the world, from the temptation, from the distractions that appeal to our fleshly appetites. And, and so Jesus is saying, if you want to walk in this kind of power continually with this kind of confidence, with this kind of assurance and this kind of success, he says, you can only do that by prayer and fasting. So just remember this, whatever you starve dies, whatever you feed thrives. Prayer and fasting is, is a discipline that absolutely is good for us, connects us to the Lord and pushes us away from the things of the flesh. And in the process of starving and suppressing the flesh through fasting, you're going to find yourself come alive and become more and more strong. Fasting is mentioned in the Bible actually 70 times. Jesus actually encouraged it. And I'm going to encourage it for you. As, as, I, as I prepare to bring this to a close, I want to encourage you to do this. For some of you, it might be your very first time attempting to fast. You can go at it with wisdom. You can go at it in a, in a pace that you, that you think works. Again, maybe it's starting out by a block of time for 12 hours. I, I won't put anything solid in me. Um, for those of you that are more experienced, take on a 24-hour period. Some will go as far as three days of fasting. But as I noted, there's intermittent. There's the Daniel fast or... Or, or the fast that's selective, and then there's the full fast. But I'm going to encourage you to do it, and there's, there's a lot of reasons to. If you need healing or need a miracle in your life, fasting will help you get there. If you need a fresh encounter with God, then you set yourself aside for these 21 days. If you got some dreams that seem impossible, if there's a desire, a deeper desire to be more intimate with the Lord and in a more powerful relationship with Him, fasting and prayer will help you get there. If you need to break away from some bondages or some sin or some things in your life that's held you hostage, or, or if there's a friend or a loved one, this is a, 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 a one I often recommend. If you got a loved one or a friend that you want to know Jesus, carry their name before the Lord during the time of, of fasting. If you want to know God's will for your life, prayer and fasting will help you do that. There, there's, there's nothing magical about this. There's nothing magical about fasting. It just simply 
clears away everything else so you can channel all aspects of your life solely on God. It's a time of purifying yourself before the Lord. As you empty yourself of sinful habits and indulge in appetites and pleasurable distractions, you discover more of God's presence and you make room more and more for the goodness of the Lord. Ezra 8.23 says this, so we fast and petition our God about this and he answered our prayer. Fasting and praying, Ezra said, God gave an answer. So, so every day you fast, I'm not going to necessarily give you any prayer points, but I'll, I, will, I will say this. Every day you fast, I recommend these things. One, just humble yourself. Go before the Lord in humility. Two, seek God. Go before him in humility and seek him for what, you, what you're asking for. Third, pray that the kingdom of God comes. Whatever the Lord's will is in that matter, you take that to the Lord and surrender yourself to it. Number four, ask that you'll hear from heaven. Maybe God won't do what everything you're asking, but he'll give you some wisdom. He'll give you some direction. Number five, believe that God will answer your prayers. And he will. God is not a God that ignores us or is speechless. He'll answer your prayer and he'll give some guidance, wisdom, or specific uh, responses to what you're asking. And number six, also pray for others. Don't just pray for yourself, but pray for others. Now, I want to close this out with a passage in Isaiah 58. It's called the, the fasting chapter. There's a lot of things that Isaiah says in there about fasting and what, that, what our attitude should be. But he kind of closes out after he instructs us how to fast in Isaiah 58. He closes out with some promises from fasting, which I believe will be part of your life. Isaiah 58, 6 through 12, it says this. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from your relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Verse 10 says, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as the noonday sun. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an overflowing spring. What a tremendous promise. I'm going to encourage you, join in with us starting January the 2nd, all the way through the 21st. Engage in some times of fasting. Seek the Lord during these 21 days. Gather with us in our awakening prayer times. Also come, of course, to our Sunday morning services, 9 and 11 a.m. And there'll also be some devotionals that will be sent out that will encourage you each and every day. And we're going to start a series on prayer, actually, uh, when we are gathered on January the 7th. So I want to just, first of all, Say Happy New Year to you. I want to thank you for joining with us. I hope you've enjoyed the worship. They'll give you out some closing, some closing thoughts. Thank you for joining with us. Look forward to going into 2024 for a great and awesome time. Join us in prayer and fasting and glorify the Lord.